0: I want to be ready. Being ready to put on that long white robe means more than just what we say we believe, but how we choose to live that belief out in the world. So today we're going to talk about justice. There's a wager on the table that I can't talk about justice without yelling. (laughs) So I put on my yelling shoes in hopes that maybe that will help me stay calm. We'll see. So this was art week for me. It's amazing how much art can teach us about reality and about what we're called to do and be in the world. Last night I had the privilege, thank you, Larry, of going to the opera to hear La Favorita, it was absolutely gorgeous and deeply disturbing. The heart of that scenario is a woman who first gets used by the king for his pleasure, then gets married off to a man who thinks she's pure, and when he finds out she's used goods has nothing to do with her, and she is deserted by the entire community. We still look at women that way in our society. Tuesday night, I took my daughter Paige to see Bombshell, the story of the women who were sexually harassed and assaulted by Roger Ailes and other powerful men the Fox News Network, and the spirit of intimidation that invaded that space, such that women were afraid to speak out, they would be ostracized, no one would believe them, they would likely lose their jobs or be relegated to a low position where they would never advance, and if they thought they would ever get a job in any other network or media outlet, they could forget that. They were to put out and shut up. And if they wanted to advance, they had to make major compromises that cost them their dignity. If you haven't seen the movie, you should go. And you should take your sister and your wife and your daughter and your granddaughter, if they're old enough, or your niece. You should take your son and your husband and your brother And your nephew and your grandson, if they're old enough. Because women still experience that today in the workplace. It's their lived experience. It was my lived experience in the church. And it continues to be the lived experience of women, young men, young boys, and young girls. And there continues to be a spirit of intimidation about talking about it. You shouldn't say anything. It will make the church look bad. We have a mission to focus on. Let's not be distracted from that mission by talking about those kinds of things. You need to be quiet and stop causing trouble. That kind of environment and abuse in the, is not the only thing the church doesn't want to talk about. It doesn't want to talk about the rampant use and addiction of pornography among church leaders. It doesn't want to talk about immigration. I also had the privilege Thursday night of going to the alley, thank you Randall, to see Quixote Nuevo which is a modern version of Don Quixote with Spanglish, English and Spanish coming back and forth. And it's set in La Plancha on the border of Texas with Mexico. And in that comedic rap is told the poignant real-life story of the plight of immigrant people who are traveling, journeying north from Central America and Mexico, fleeing horrific violence, whose lives are at risk and they come seeking safety, simply seeking a place where they can keep their families safe. It also includes a commentary on the response of the U.S. government Who has added to their abuse and torment, and the US citizenry, including the church that has remained largely silent and failed to act. You need to go see that also. But that's not the end of it. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I have the book. And it is the true life story of the criminal justice system Just Mercy. and how men of white power and privilege are putting in prison brown and black bodies in order to protect and control their power and privilege. The destruction of an innocent black man and his family and his community by people who are still in office after their corruption was exposed. And don't think it's limited to that. We have a circus going on in the Senate today. I don't care what you think about the evidence. There's no evidence being presented or decided on. We have decided that crime is going to be determined by political expediency rather than the truth. And that puts our entire democracy at risk. But that's not the end of it. When the Collins comes out next week, you'll read Patrick's story, who was out overnight with the homeless and saw the injustice with which they continually deal. Many of those young people are trafficked because that's the only way they can find a place to stay. That's the only way they can get food. They have to search for a place where they won't be harassed, where their lives and what little possessions they have are not at risk. And most of them have grown up in that since they were tiny. And we look the other way. We don't want to see it, and we don't want to talk about it doesn't end there. We're in a fight and have been for how long? Decades in the United Methodist Church about whether we're going to continue to discriminate against people because of their gender identity and sexual orientation. We have a transgender group that meets here, a support group that meets here on Monday nights, and we have our committee meetings on Monday nights, and I usually try to stop after the committee meeting if it's not too late and stick my head in just to see how they're doing see if there's anything they need. And I stuck my head in the. this past Monday night after trustees asked them how they were doing and what they were talking about, and they said, do you have any idea what transgender women pilots go through in the cockpit of airplanes? And I didn't. And when I heard it, I was horrified, but I have no doubt that it's true. It's everywhere. We swim in a sea of injustice and it's so overwhelming that if we try to pay attention to it it eats us alive and we get frustrated because look at the fight in the eye of the church we have fought and fought and fought and it's not clear yet whether or not we're ever going to get past that hurdle so why bother can't we just live our lives in peace i like the little niche i've created can't I just live in happiness and let that be somebody else's problem? I have enough problems of my own. I have enough to deal with adding that to it. That's a fair evaluation. But is it possible that we could actually invest our lives in justice and still celebrate the heck out of them? There's a new contemporary, contemporary Christian Song, it came out in October by Matt Mayer, that talks about the reality of the pain of living in this world and its injustice. And then he says, But keep on dancing and dreaming. Keep on believing. There's still hope worth repeating. Joy still comes in the morning. Hope still walks with the hurting. So lift your head and sing and praise the Lord. Can we do that and also invest in justice? That's our question for this morning. So let's pray. God, we want to be ready. We really don't want to spend our lives exhausted, frustrated, angry, defeated because of the injustice that encircles us. And yet, God, that's where you call us to be because that's where you are, standing among the crucified peoples of the world. So, God, this morning, would you help us? Would you help us hear your call to us to engage in justice? wherever we find it, whenever we find it, to commit our lives to that work and then show us how to do that in a way that doesn't destroy us, that enables us to see the joy and the goodness of life even in the midst of the pain so that we can keep on dreaming, so that we can keep on celebrating, so that we can know the goodness of God in the land of the living. Speak this morning so that we can hear you, because we want to be ready. Amen. So before I came to Bering, as many of you know, for seven years I was the director of the Center for Missional Excellence for the Texas Annual Conference. And based on my own experience in mission and what I was observing, I told Bishop Huey that I would take that position on one condition, that she would allow me began to introduce social justice back into our understanding of mission. And so we began to have those kinds of conversations because most of what we do in mission is what I would call charity or acts of mercy. And those are good things. We make sure we bring people things to eat, that they have clothes, that they have shelter. But we do not usually move beyond us being in a place of power to distribute things to other people to actually changing the power dynamics so that people have the same access and opportunity and power and privilege that we do. So if you take that little saying that we say, which is if you give people fish for a day, they, they eat for a day, if you teach them to fish, they can eat for their lives, well people need to eat today. So Acts of mercy are important. I would say that teaching them to fish is not justice yet. Because if you teach people to fish and you give them the equipment to do it, but you never unlock the pond, you have never done anything but frustrate people. Justice is taking the lock off the pond and giving everyone access, everyone opportunity, everyone a chance to get what they need and not the excess that we hoard, so that all are able to have what they need, not only to survive, but to thrive. So we started talking about that. I had a training event, and you could feel the tension rising in the room because we're all invested in the good things we do and how good that makes us feel, and they are good things. Don't hear me saying that they're not. It's just that we need to do that and more. We need to change the power dynamic. And so in this meeting, things were getting tense and finally, one of the leaders stood up from the back of the room and yelled at me and said, Diane, we get it that you have this justice shtick. (laughs) But most of us don't care about justice. We just wanna do mission. And he stormed out of the room. Now, before we get too critical of that man, let's think about that. Because I would much rather take two weeks of my year, my vacation time and go to the Philippines and use my expendable income and do some good over there and come home feeling really good and not have to change anything about the way I live or about my power and privilege and making sure other people actually have a piece of that. Because that's a lot harder work. And when we start engaging in works of justice, it gets exhausting. It gets overwhelming. It can eat us alive. And it gets frustrating because evil appears to win most of the time. The problem is you cannot read the Bible without hearing God's cry for justice from beginning to the end. All of our lectionary texts today point to God's call to God's people to engage in the work of justice. The prophet Micah speaks to a community that has forgotten that priority. They're concerned about making sure their worship is perfect. No errors in the bulletin. The live streaming is perfect. All good stuff That their sacrifices are perfect and the best. It's not that there's anything wrong with that. We should offer God our best. But God says, I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about this issue over here. These people are being marginalized, are suffering, are being discriminated against. And you're concerned about whether your worship is perfect or not. And you've forgotten about them. So don't even give me this. Unless you're willing to do what I've told you. I have shown you what is good and what I require of you to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly before your God. Most of the prophets speak that way. You'll hear Isaiah next week. The Apostle Paul picks that same theme up. He's writing to the church in Corinth and he has to remind them that God's wisdom is foolishness to the world. That God has chosen to stand not with the privileged and the powerful and the wealthy, but with the poor and the weak and the powerless. That God's foolishness is most evident in the cross, in a God who gives up God's power and privilege and authority to be crucified. And experience some of the most vicious and brutal forms of injustice ever known. So that God could walk with those who are suffering from injustice. And bring us all out into resurrection. Into redemption. Into a life where all can experience justice and mercy and goodness. And then Jesus lives that way and in the Beatitudes again reminds us blessed are the successful blessed are the wealthy, blessed are those with the big academic degrees, blessed are those who have the best most churches and the most butts in the seats and the most wealth I don't see that anywhere in scripture blessed are the poor Matthew's gospel says in spirit but Luke says also materially poor blessed are those who mourn Blessed are, are those who hunger actually and who hunger for righteousness and for justice. Blessed are those who are engaged in the work of injustice and are being insulted. Oh, There I did it. I think I just lost the wager. <laughs> <laughs> no. by, by those who claim to be righteous. Yeah, I'm not sure I signed up for that. Right? We, we think that if we're doing the work of justice, it should be easy. That we should be successful. That people should applaud us. And so when they don't, we quit. When it looks like evil's winning, and it looks like that most of the time, we quit. So, how do we stay in the battle and still celebrate life fully as God's gift? I hope you're still reading Naked Spirituality by Brian McLaren. If you haven't been, go back and read No, which is the word for January, and Why, which is the word for February this month. They both speak to this issue of how we stand in the midst of injustice and stay engaged without it destroying us. McLaren points out that No is the appropriate response to injustice whenever we encounter it it's also the appropriate response to these platitudes about why injustice is occurring these simplistic explanations oh this is all part of god's plan no hell no oh this is god's judgment 9 11 happened because of the lgbtq community and their sin no hell no No is a faithful response to this limited understanding of God that makes us think we can put God in a box, wrap him up in pretty paper and put a bow on it so that we can control our power and our privilege. That we think we can put God in a box by writing people out of the book of discipline. No! Hell no! No exposes the lie in those simplistic answers and is actually a faithful response that appropriately leads us to a prayer of rage and refusal to buy into that. And when we stand in that place, God can take it because God's raging with us. And when we take that no and understand that God is crying no with us, it somehow empowers us to engage. We become resolute to continuing to stand for what is just and right because God's standing right there with us. And when it gets too painful, when that no gets too painful, we fall into why. God, why? Where are you? Why? That also is a faithful response. And if we can stay in the pain of why, we discover a faith that endures when faith fails. We discover a hope that survives when hope dies. We discover the pain that exists in the very heart of God, who came, allowed God's self to be nailed up on a cross, and to experience the abandonment of God, and to cry out in that very real moment of abandonment, even as we do, why, my God, why have you forsaken us? That is the authentic cry of Jesus on the cross. And in that cry, Jesus validates that abandonment, suffering, loss is part of the human condition and of a life well and faithfully lived. But it is not the last word. The last word of God is love. The finale of God's action in the world for all of creation, not just humanity, but the earth and its creatures, is resurrection, is redemption, is restoration to God's original intention For all of creation, which is love in relationship where everyone and every creature has a place at the table of God and has what they need to be everything that God created each of us to be. And when we become convinced of that 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 is where god is headed that god is standing among the crucified people's and heading us all in that direction then we are able to find the boldness to continue to stand with god in that place because we know that our actions are not in vain whether we ever see the change on the plane of our lifetimes god will use every act of kindness every act towards justice to bring the redemption of the world. And so we can stand and we can celebrate the goodness of life because God is with us in this and we can dance the heck out of it. I had a conversation a couple months ago with one of our conference leaders. We were talking about what's happening in the I Methods Church, what may or may not happen in May. And I looked at him and I said, If things don't change in May, I want you to know that I will probably choose to have a same-gender wedding in the sanctuary at Bering as the pastor of that congregation and violate the discipline. He sat there for a minute, and he goes, Diane, I get that about you. (laughs) You got that rebel streak in you. I get that but think about what you're saying. Why would you do that? He'll put you on trial. He'll take your credentials, and it's not going to change anything. It's not going to make any difference. So why would you do that? He was actually asking as my friend. I looked at him for a moment, and then I hope I responded faithfully. And what I said is, because it's the right thing to do. Because there comes a point when those of us who are being privileged by a system that discriminates and marginalizes whole groups of people have to decide whether we're going to use that privilege for what's right, even if it costs us. that's what I choose to do in the words of Mary Oliver who's one of my favorite poets with this one precious wild life that I have what will you do with this one precious wild life that you've been given God is calling us to stand with the crucified peoples of the world. God allowed God's self to be crucified. God is at work redeeming the world, but doing so from the standpoint of those who have been excluded and marginalized. And God has told us what is good and what the Lord requires of us, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. And if we'll do that, if we will commit to doing that, It will cost us. But God is there. And so we can keep dancing and dreaming. We can keep on believing. Because hope is walking with the hurting. Joy will come in the morning. And we have cause to celebrate. So go. Do what is just. Love mercy. Walk humbly before God and dance the heck out of your life. Because resurrection is coming. In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, Amen.